I'm Liz Sauer, and this is Ghosts in the Burbs, a podcast of ghost stories from Wellesley, Massachusetts. A warning, adults who use adult language told me these frightening tales, these ghost stories, aren't for kids. Before we get started, I need to speak with you all about something incredibly important. I've been accused in the past of pushing this agenda, but I will not remain silent during our highest of holy seasons. It's not enough to just pop in here and there for a spooky story. There, I said it. As a paranormal community, we should be bathing ourselves in spook, watching, reading, listening to all things creepy until we are so freaked out that by the end of October, we startle at the tiniest of noises. Now, regardless of whether you enjoy gory slasher movies and body horror novels or cozy paranormal mysteries in Halloween Town, as a paranormal enthusiast, you need some education, and you're going to need it with a dose of humor. Enter Kristen and Will. Guide to the Unknown is a podcast about horror. Every week, siblings Kristen Anderson and Will Rogers discuss spooky pop culture, urban legends, and the paranormal while keeping it cozy and light. Need to brush up on the Velisca Axe Murder House? Never heard of the Demon of Brownsville Road? Want an overview of the whole Dear David situation? Kristen and Will have you covered. Some of my personal favorites are episode number 43, Slender Man and Stell Cemetery, and number 33, The Bridgewater Triangle and Tulpas, which I bet after today's interview you're going to want to listen to. Hint, hint. And more recently, number 117, Ghost Adventures Earliest Haunts, was a real hit. New episodes come out every Friday on all major podcast apps, including Spotify. The episodes are recorded live every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard on YouTube slash TalkBomb. And if you miss it, the video is released on Friday alongside the podcast. So go to gttupod.com for all the links including to a complete season of their new podcast, Ghost Adventures Adventures, which you know damn well I weaseled my way onto. And follow at GTTUPod everywhere on social media. It's the high holy season. Do your part and spread spook. And now, let's move on to ghost story number 55, a gilded cage and a split personality. Let's head way back in time. Before we met the three witches of Wellesley, before the knocking in my home, long before I was hearing voices and seeing ghosts. What follows is one of the earliest interviews I conducted, and I've held it back because the interviewee asked me to, until recently. I bumped into her when I was out walking a couple of our dogs this week. Pulling a handkerchief up over her mouth and nose, she said, you're moving again? I can't believe it. We caught up and compared notes over our kids' remote school experiences, agreeing that the teachers were knocking it out of the park, and our kids had adjusted as well as could be expected, though we were hanging on by a thread. Hey, do you still have the recording of that interview I did with you? I did have it. You should publish it, she said. Especially now. I'm seeing way too many ads on social media trying to rope people into businesses like that summer figure, using the whole work-from-home hook. Granted, I used the money I made selling that crap to leave Michael, but I left that company when I found out how awful it was for the majority of women who sign on. You guys split up? 
Her eyes smiled. Officially divorced as of about three weeks ago. That's great, I enthused, then realized I sounded too happy. I mean, sorry to hear that. No, it's the best decision I ever made. Anyway, release that interview if you need content. It feels like a different life. Maybe it would help someone from spinning their wheels as long as I did. Just change my name, okay? Okay. But it didn't feel that simple. My anxiety began to spike when I thought back to the moment in time in which I interviewed Rachel Dalton. Back then, the kids were little. I had a job as a part-time librarian, a relatively new group of friends, who I did fun things with, like dinner and parties and girls' nights and concerts, all of which usually centered around drinking or shopping or talking about dieting. In truth, I was sort of regressing, dipping into the toolbox I'd built for myself in high school and running myself ragged to have fun and make sure everyone around me was having fun, which meant shopping and spending and buying and vacationing to ensure that other people approved of the way I was having fun. Ugh, it's exhausting to even type it out. Truth was, I was a bundle of anxious nerves, and I was probably incredibly annoying to be around. A, because I was so desperately needy to the point of utter codependence, and B, because I drank excessively to calm myself the fuck down, and that never worked, so I was usually hungover and cranky or wasted in a loud mess. Ugh. It's hard to remember that time without serious twinges of embarrassment and regret. I've actually written the good part of a book called The Wine Lies about that time in my life, as in, here are ten lies the wine whispers in your ear that are difficult to spot but easy to fall for. Who knows if it will ever see the light of day, but it helped me to process everything. Anyway, I'm rambling because to go back into that time, that flailing scramble, that anxiety soaked day to day, brings up a lot of stuff for me. But go back we must, so you will understand the entirety of Rachel's story. So, Rachel. The first time I met her was at a cocktail party at her house that involved plenty of cocktails, but wasn't really a party. It was more of a get drunk and buy stuff from my direct sales business. Night. Rachel was a hashtag boss mom. I was invited to the evening through a friend who sort of knew her through Wellesley Mother's Forum and thought we should go for the free drinks and the fact that there would be a raffle for a set of what sounded to me like knockoff spanks. So I pulled on my name brand spanks, downed an Atkins shake, because I was deep into disordered eating at that point in my life and swimming in a social scene that normalized it, chased the chemical wash down with half a glass of Chardonnay, and left the kids home with Chris, all fuzzy warm with the knowledge that I'd have a sober ride home from a friend who had to work the next day. We arrived at a mansion, styled as a cape house, complete with window-lined cupolas. Cupolas? I don't know, guys. I'm sorry. Window-lined cupolas, whale cupolas, whale-topped weather vanes, and weathered wood shingles. It was the Tuesday of Thanksgiving week, and the landscapers had outdone themselves, strategically placing autumnal gatherings of corn stalks, pumpkins, and other such stuff along the walk to the front door. The porch was a freaking riot of white pumpkins, a fall-themed Pinterest board come to life. Anyhow, we mingled and oohed and awed over the home's interior design, though secretly I felt like it looked like every other massive home I'd seen in the neighborhood. 
The furniture and art were beautiful, but like its Pinterest board exterior, the inside looked a little too staged. Anyone could have lived there. The home's inhabitants' personalities were nowhere to be found. I spotted the hostess several times, her head thrown back in laughter or her brow furrowed in concentration, arms crossed, head nodding along in an aggressive, active listening stance. Finally, the time came for the real reason for the party. Ting, ting, ting. Ladies, Rachel sang out and she tapped a fork against her goblet of red wine. Ladies, can I please ask you hotties to gather around in the den? I won't take more than a moment of your time to tell me about my little entrepreneurial debut. The chatter died down a smidge. Ting, 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 ting. Ladies, it won't take more than a moment. I am so excited to share the products and the opportunity with you. Those of us who'd quieted down had tight smiles plastered on our faces, feeling empathic embarrassment for our hostess. A bark of laughter followed by titters came from the kitchen island. Kelly Mosler, Rachel boomed. Why don't you lead the charge? The woman who caused the ruckus while ignoring the hostess's requests blushed and led the way into the den, the rest of us giggling along behind her. Women settled into couches and chairs and sat on the floor, listening as our hostess extolled the virtues of Summer Figure, a wellness system that combined a breakthrough protein powder meal replacement regimen with a waist-tightening undergarment, proven to melt off stubborn baby weight and improve posture. Something was mentioned about improved circulation and adrenal glands, too. I don't know. I was pretty tipsy by that point. True to her word, Rachel kept it short and sweet and left us wanting more. I bought the diamond-level package and was about to sign on to be a junior team member when Anne, who had driven me to the party, gently put a hand on my arm and said, Liz, no. I spoke to Rachel for a while that evening. She was quite interested in the interviews I'd just begun and even asked if she could buy an ad spot on the blog. I gave her my email and she promised to get in touch. Nothing of note happened that night. It was an evening stored in a file of many similar ones in my past when a lot of money was spent on useless shit, a ton of wine was guzzled to drown out ever-present anxiety, and surface relationships were forged that went only as deep as the next good time. But I know I made a connection with Rachel that night, even if it was a shallow one, in which she saw me as a person who could advertise her powders and corsets. By the way, that powder tasted fine enough, but made me so bloated I needed the damn waist-tightening garment just to fit into my jeans until I stopped drinking the stuff. At any rate, I did speak with Rachel for a good amount of time, and we exchanged emails. That's why it was so odd when, about a week later, I received this message. Hello, Liz. Our mutual friend, text in brackets, name omitted, and brackets, shared your email address with me and suggested that I get in touch with you regarding a situation I'm currently facing. I don't want to go into depth over email, but if I might treat you to a cup of coffee at Starbucks some morning this week, I would be endlessly appreciative. Any advice you could offer would be so appreciated. Thank you in advance for your time. Looking forward to hearing from you. Sincerely, Rachel Dalton. Weird, right? At first, I assumed she'd just forgotten meeting me, that perhaps she'd had a bit too much to drink at her party, but then I'd ordered her products. Surely she would have recognized my name from her customer list. 
My inbox had been inundated with summer figure emails morning and night since I attended that party. Regardless, I was intrigued. So what exactly was this out-of-the-ordinary situation she needed my advice about? As I mentioned, this was very early on in my whole paranormal journey. Not only did I have no idea what I was getting myself into, I had no business offering anyone advice. A, because drinking close to a bottle of wine a night does not a good advice giver make. And B, I wasn't taking this whole supernatural stuff seriously yet. I was still in looky-loo mode, talking to people about their very real problems as if I were watching a reality television show. Despite my dangerous ignorance, I was excited for the chance to interview Rachel. I texted my friend Anne, with whom I'd attended the cocktail party, and asked for intel. The gist of her reply was that Rachel ran hot or cold, and Anne made me swear I wouldn't agree to be a part of Rachel's downline. She also said she'd thrown out all of the protein powder she bought because it made her break out. And so I met up with Rachel on a quintessential chilly New England morning, just after Thanksgiving at Cabrata. I bought myself a slice of pumpkin bread and a large cup of hazelnut coffee and sat at a table near the back of the cafe waiting for Rachel, who turned up 15 minutes late. I barely recognized her as she pushed through the door, a frazzled, anxious, apologetic mess. Absolutely nothing like the grab-privileged-life-by-the-balls woman I'd met just a week earlier. Hi, Liz? She rushed over to me and I nodded and waved. Oh my god, oh my god, I am so, 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 so sorry. Rachel dragged the chair out across from me and gently took a seat as if she were in pain. I got stuck in a conversation with my youngest son's teacher. It's really no problem, I assured her. I was happy to sit here and enjoy my coffee. Oh, shoot, I'm sorry. I was supposed to treat you to coffee. Ugh, we're just worried that Jack isn't hitting all of his milestones. He's three, and he's identifying only about 75% of his letters. I just don't know. That's pretty outstanding for pre-K, I offered, feeling a smidge triggered, as my own three-and-a-half-year-olds had only recently begun speaking, and even then it was in these catch-all terms like kata, which had to be interpreted on a case-by-case basis. Rachel shrugged and shook her head. We just don't want him falling behind before he's even hit kindergarten, you know? Sure. You want to grab a coffee before we talk? Oh, I couldn't make you wait any longer, she insisted. I have to pee anyways, I said. Go grab a drink. I'll meet you back here. Oh, my God, thank you. I only had half a cup before running out of the house, and I feel like a zombie. Back at the table, Rachel shoved a plate of miniature blueberry scones towards me. Help yourself. As I did, she burst out with a litany of apologies again over being late that morphed into a confession that she was so relieved that I seemed to be normal. Her friend told her about me and totally only had positive things to say about me and everything, but she still worried that I'd be weird. Um, I said, stalling, absolutely shocked that she truly had zero memory of talking to me at her house. I mean, no offense, she prattled on. I'm sorry, I'm just nervous and relieved, relieved that you seem so nice. I shifted uncomfortably. I had to mention meeting her. If I didn't, all the weirdness would crash back onto me for not saying something if it ever came out that not only had I been to her house, but I'd ordered her crappy protein powder stuff. So the thing is, we've already met. 
Rachel froze, like froze, froze, a look of sheer panic on her face. And then her eyes began to fill with tears. It is no big deal at all, I assured her quickly. You had so many people at your house for that awesome cocktail party. I just didn't want it to be awkward if you realized later or whatever that we'd met. She wiped at her eyes quickly. Which party? Uh, the one you had at your house last week where you told us about your summer figure business? Did I sell you that crap? Her voice was shrill. I nodded. Rachel covered her face with her hands. Her voice muffled, she wailed. Oh my God, oh my God, this has grown so out of control. What am I gonna do? I glanced around us to see if anyone was watching her melt down. They were. I'm guessing this has something to do with why you asked me to meet you here? She scrubbed at her eyes with the heels of her hands and sniffled. It has everything to do with why I asked you to meet me here. Okay. I went to this weekend retreat in New Hampshire. I was, I don't know what I was trying to do. I guess I just wanted some sort of distraction, you know? Like, I love my children, but I just needed something other than momming in my life, right? I totally get that, I assured her. So, like, I saw this flyer at my Pilates studio for an empowerment weekend last spring, and I figured that it might be exactly what I was looking for. It was a chance to totally detox from everything. The booze, the cell phone, the carbs, and get realigned. I was hoping for some kind of revelation, I think, like a sign that said, this, this is the thing you're meant to be doing. I am totally grateful for everything in my life. I don't know, I just wanted something meaningful, but I didn't know what it was supposed to be. I nodded in understanding. I mean, I know better than to do things like that after what happened at yoga. It's just that I know I can't get too focused or I lose control of it. So I signed up for the retreat weekend and... Wait, why can't you do yoga? Oh, yeah. So, like, I have this thing where I'm sort of really, like, powerful when I put all of my focus on something. I waited for her to elaborate. Instead, she broke off a piece of scone and popped it into her mouth. Powerful how, I prompted. She smiled. My grandmother was really witchy, you know? At least that's what we called what she could do. Like she could predict the weather or knew when something big was going to happen. Oh, and God help you if you ever got on her bad side. One time I took gum from her purse without asking, and that night I broke out with a case of hives like you wouldn't believe. Anyhow, I sort of inherited her way of being able to, like, affect things. That's unbelievable. How cool. But what happened when you did yoga? Rachel crossed her arms. It was completely unintentional, honestly. I'd only taken a few classes and I didn't have any issues, but after a few sessions, I got really good at totally zoning out during the sabasana thing. And when I, I'm really in a state like that, I tend to affect the people around me. It's like, well, it's like my mood or whatever spreads out, like it's contagious. The good thing was that everyone else in the class ended up in a pure state of relaxation for like three hours before we all came out of it. But the bad thing was that, you know, people had things to do. They couldn't just zone out for three hours. They had to, like, pick up their kids or get back to work after class and everything. Stunned, I asked. 
How do you know you made that happen? She shrugged again. Stuff like that just happens to me. Which is why I should have known better than to go on that retreat. But I swear, I thought it would just be like clean eating and journaling. I had no idea we'd be doing intention setting or visualization or anything. Uh-oh. Yeah, and since then, things have gotten really weird. She took a sip of her coffee. That's why I reached out. I need help reeling this ability or whatever back in. What do you think I should do? Did that yoga relaxation thing happen again on the retreat? No, no, I don't do yoga anymore. At the retreat, I sort of created an alternate me. I mean, not another me, really, but there's a part of me that I can't control, and I need to know how to control it because it's taking over everything. I'm literally blacking out and doing things that I have zero memory of, and if I don't find a way to stop it, people are going to start noticing. What the hell happened at that retreat? Rachel's shoulder slumped miserably. Okay, so the retreat was held in this breathtaking little camp on a lake. Ugh, for the life of me, I can't remember what the hell the name of the place was. That's the other thing. I can't remember anything lately. Anyway, there were about 20 women there. Three of them were our leadership counselors, and the whole theme of the weekend was creating your ideal self. We did all these exercises and group discussions. The whole first day was designed to really get down to the way your life wasn't working. Know what I mean? Like down to the amount of time you were spending on social media or if you needed to change your hair color. They wanted you to list every single thing you were unhappy with in your life, even the littlest things that irked you. And then we were supposed to think about what the opposite of those shitty things were. Sounds nice, sort of like KonMari-ing your life. Yeah, totally, but it wasn't just surface stuff. Shit, I'm not explaining myself well. Well, what were some of the things you wanted to change? I asked to keep her on track. I wanted more than the groundhog day of getting the kids up and fed and dropped off and picked up and entertained. More than just worrying about my weight and my next hair appointment, whether my Botox needed to be retouched. I wanted more. What'd you do before you had kids? I asked. I was a business manager for a designer for a while, and then, I don't know, just some stuff here and there, but nothing meaningful. Back then, it was like I was just killing time until I got married and had kids, and then I went and got married and had kids, and like, oh my God, I love them so, so, so much, and I adore being a mom, but it's just... She scrunched her eyes closed. I must sound like a monster. Not at all. I 100% get what you're saying. You needed something fulfilling outside of motherhood. Oh my God, exactly. Yes, thank you. Something fulfilling outside of motherhood. She repeated, trying it on for herself. That's just what I need to say to Michael. I can't make him understand. He's just all, what's the problem? You've got a nanny so you can work out and drink coffee all day. (sighs) She laughed humorlessly. Anyway, what was I saying about the retreat? Oh, yeah, so the first day was a disassembling of our lives. We tried to think of all the little bits and bots that make up our days and why we either wanted to keep them or kick them to the curb. Then the second day, we began by deleting those things from our consciousness that no longer served us, and in the afternoon, we affirmed everything we believed would lead us to our best lives. 
Geez, how'd you manage to do that? I asked, thinking of the many, many bits and bots I'd like to can. Meditation and then a couple hours of visualization? Hours? Uh-huh. The entire afternoon was spent in a silent visualization session. Holy hell, I would lose my mind. Rachel considered. It was actually nice, all that uninterrupted quiet and imagining what could be. Can I ask what you visualized? She smiled sadly. I was really smart once. I was a finance and entrepreneurship double major and I graduated with honors. <laughs> Actually, I was Michael's accounting tutor. That's how we met. He wouldn't have graduated without me. Now he's got this amazing career and I'm taking Pilates classes and driving the kids to tumbling. She paused. That's not true. I don't even drive them. The nanny does. None of that disappeared, I said gently. You're still smart. You still have that degree. And you might not remember doing it, but you were kicking ass pretty hard at that cocktail party. Every single person there bought something from you. Rachel flushed in embarrassment. Oh my God, I can't believe I did that. I'm telling you, everyone seemed into it. I was pretty tipsy, but you almost had me convinced to join your team. Be grateful I didn't. I was a history major in college, and I failed Math 101 twice. She laughed. God, if I just hadn't gone on that retreat, none of this would have happened. So what exactly did happen? I visualized a life where I was free to do what I wanted and spend what I wanted and make my own decisions. She caught the look of confusion on my face. I know I look like I have all of that, but it's sort of an illusion. Like, the way I think of it is Michael is rich. The boys and I are like his employees. I'm middle management, so I get to make decisions for them, but not much else. He only gives me money for what he deems essential. Of course, he's super generous. He gives me way more than I need for groceries and house bills. He's not restrictive. Like, he considers it essential that I don't let myself go. So any and every exercise class, spa treatment, shopping trip for clothes or bags is game. I need to look good, you know. I'm a reflection of him, his success. But other stuff that I wanted to do in the past, he just won't green light. Like, there's this course I wanted to take over at Babson, and ugh, it just got ugly. I finally gave up. Whatever. What I think happened at the Empowerment Weekend released a part of my personality. And then it took on a mind of its own. At first, I would find myself in the middle of doing things that I didn't remember starting. Like, I'd realize I was scrolling through business opportunities for stay-at-home moms. It was like one minute I was on the Nordstrom site filling my cart, and the next thing I know I'm on some woman's blog. Then little chunks of time got fuzzy and I started getting emails from people I didn't have any recollection of reaching out to. They were filled with responses to a laundry list of questions about their home-based businesses. Then one day I opened my email to a flurry of these congratulations messages about becoming the newest member of the summer figure team. After I read through them, it did seem like something I could do, you know. I have a really big network. 
But when I realized I spent $1,500 to become a bronze level hashtag boss mom, I literally had a panic attack. Where the hell did I come up with the money? I have a separate account from Michael and he transfers money into it every month for the expenses that I outlined for him. I spiraled out when I saw how much it cost to join this business. Like, did I spend the grocery money? How was I going to pay for my car bill? But when I checked my account, I found that somehow I was able to cover all the bills. I went back through the statements and saw that I'd canceled a bunch of subscriptions and memberships, and I'm pretty sure I skimped on groceries a couple weeks because it didn't appear that I had a shortfall anywhere. I managed to game the system. Rachel smiled. I was sort of impressed with myself, even though it completely freaked me out, but then time started to go from a little fuzzy here and there to completely gone. I lost hours, but somehow no one seemed to even notice. It was like everyone just went along with whatever the hell I was doing. The part of me that broke off was managing my life and I just went dark. It was really scary. When I wake back up to my life, I don't remember anything. Not the time with the kids, not all the sales that I'm racking up. It took me forever to realize that I'd started jogging again. I was sort of the point I thought I had some sort of disease before I recognized the feeling from way back when I was too poor to afford a gym membership in my 20s. Squats, push-ups, and running. <laughs> Apparently I went back to my old workout routine so I can save the money on memberships. And your whole summer figure business, you don't have any recollection of it. None. But you know what? I haven't been able to tell anyone this, and I don't want to sound like I'm bragging because I can't really take any credit for it, but I've managed to get pretty high up in the pira... Wait, I guess you're not supposed to call it that. I've climbed the ladder rather quickly. I'm a top-tier sales team member. No way. You should be proud even if you can't remember any of it. Yeah, but I don't know how much longer I can hide all this from Michael. So he doesn't know anything? She shook her head. No, and he can't find out. How did you manage to throw that party? He was on a golf weekend. It was a Tuesday. Anger flashed across her eyes, but she smiled and said, he just loves his golf. Wow, what are you going to do? She looked at me as if I'd just slapped her. That's what I was hoping you could tell me. It was my turn to look horrified. Oh, I don't know. Maybe just talk to your husband and explain what's happened and... No. If he finds out I've been hiding this from him... Oh my God, if he found out the amount of money I've made and I've kept it from him, I could lose everything. Don't take this the wrong way, okay? But like... Your problem doesn't feel too mystical to me. Would you ever consider going to a therapist? Michael doesn't believe in, I'm not saying he should try it. You should. You're making money, right? You could pay for it without him knowing. I could give you the name of my therapist. She's so kind and understanding. Maybe she could. I thought you would have some like psychic or magical person for me to go to so I could get my chakras managed or something. I shook my head. Tears rolled down Rachel's cheeks. She closed her eyes for the briefest of moments, and when she opened them, something had shifted. She didn't look so frightened. She brushed the tears away calmly and smoothed her hair. 
It was really nice of you to meet with me. I'm sorry I couldn't. Not at all. This was super helpful and informative. Rachel's bright smile contrasted with her bloodshot eyes. Now, enough about me. How are you liking your meal replacement powder? You chose pumpkin spice flavor, right? It's my favorite too. I'd like to take a moment to thank my newest supporters on Patreon.com. So, thank you, Glenna Dorchus Shipman, Elizabeth Hendrick, Stephanie L. Hawk, S.L., Holly Easley, Mrs. Aquilina Petrudas Bankert, Dr. Justin Bankert, Katie Joyner, Sarah Hendrick, excuse me, Sarah Herrick, uh, Rebecca Lilji, Sundra Lamb, Julie Larner, Amy Hayes, Amanda Scoggins, Philip Cocom, Bethany Gravel, Maria Quijada, Megan Kelly, Hannah Purcell, Diane Debu, Devau, sorry you guys, my handwriting has gotten too tiny and my eyes too bad as well, Nicole Moorer, Caitlin Brown, Jennifer Lugo, Elizabeth Kirkman, Aaron Up, Jessa Bliss, Laurent DeGoy, DeGaw, and Carly Briley. From the bottom of my jack-o'-lantern-shaped heart, thank you for your support. Head on over to ghostintheburbs.com for all the links. Also, don't forget to check out GTTU Pod. You'll find all their links in the show notes. And finally, to all the teachers, teaching assistants, special educators, and school administrators out there, and to anyone in education at this incredibly strange moment in time, including parents, I see you, I appreciate you, hang in there. You're doing a really good job, even if you feel like you're this close to having your own personality split in two like Rachel's. So this has been Ghosts in the Burbs. Good night, sleep tight, and don't forget your nightlight.